churches on Oahu, and he mentored me when I was in college, and um, he's one of the reasons why I'm married to Jocelyn. I think I told that story that he gave me two weeks to pray about it, and so I prayed and fasted and uh, ended up proposing to Joss, so he played a big part in my life uh, when I was in college. And then during the transition between uh, the founding pastor, my father, and myself as the lead pastor, uh, Pastor Norman came over to help uh, do that transition and install me. And and Jim LaFoon, who's a prophet of our movement, uh, he was also there at that time. So uh, one of the things that has happened in the the past several months, there was a, a national meeting for all the pastors in North America and Jim LaFoon gave a, a riveting prophetic word. Now, Jim LaFoon, uh, Pastor Norman is going to explain a little bit more about him, but he specifically uh, prophesied over Maui um, in 2000, I think it was 2018. And he was prophesying over Josh Morocco, and um, I heard the prophecy. He said, I see empty hotel buildings. I see empty beaches. Um, God is going to do something on this island. Get ready for it. And that was before the pandemic, before anything happened. And he has a record of just uh, very clear um, uh, words from the Lord. And so Pastor Norman, this past Sunday, he uh, preached his last message as a senior pastor. And his encouragement to the church was to pray. And he shared a word from Jim LaFoon. And I listened to the message and I thought, and coming out of the roundtable meeting, I thought that I would... uh, try to deliver the same word, but I can't do it like Pastor Norman. So uh, this is very different. We don't do simulcasts here, Grace Bell. I haven't ever done this before, but I thought that uh, I didn't want to leave any, um, I wanted you to get the full um, impact of the message. So this is his parting word at Pearlside. His son-in-law, Billy, is going to take over for him at Grace Bible Pearlside, and um, I wanted you to be able to Uh, hear this message firsthand. So we're going to watch this video. Uh, It's a simulcast from last week. And uh, I want you to open up your heart to what God is speaking to his church because I feel it's a word not just for Pearlside but to all the Grace Bible churches and all the churches um, in the world. And so uh, it's a really good message. Um, Let's pray. We'll watch the video, close in worship. And um, is that okay with you guys? Okay. God, I just thank you so much for uh, placing us in this Every Nation family. Uh, Lord, that you have spoken um, not just into our hearts, but Lord, that when you do something significant, that you speak through your prophets. Uh, Lord, you're moving in a, in a very a significant way in this pivotal moment in our nation's history. And God, we want to know what you're doing, uh, what's required of us. So we pray that you'd speak to our hearts and our lives this morning. We ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. So much. Boy, you make my day. So many people in person. It's time to be in the manifest presence of God together. Aloha to you at home. I will say some things to you at home a little later, so don't tune out. Okay, don't go for the Big Mac and don't get an extra cup of coffee. I want you to stay right where you are if you're watching from home, wherever you are. This series and this message that kicks things off is the outcome of leaders hearing the prophetic voice of the Holy Spirit through the office of the prophets globally that we are entering a very serious time. 
And in a time when people have lived with what I hear the term revenge living to reclaim traveling and pleasure and leisure, those things are necessary. The Lord is saying something to counter that, to bring a healthy tension and a balance. We've had a global pandemic. I mean, very few of us can say we've lived through a global pandemic unless you're very old, like me. Wealthy global elites have tried to reset society and take control of institutions. Corruption and greed have prevailed in medicine, technology, media, the marketplace, politics, and law. And we've seen immense amount of corruption in the state of Hawaii. We now face the worst economic inflation in over 40 years with the threat of a recession looming. But all of this is just God's setting a stage to redeem what looks bad to bring forth what shall be good. He's setting a stage for God himself to move in us and through all of us, but with a sense of urgency because this is not a time for business as usual. So if there is a subtitle to this message, living with a sense of urgency, it's called, it's not business as usual. We go back to scripture and we look at the text that defined the Unite 714 prayer movement that was instigated by prophet Jim LaFoon, whose latest prophecy I will read to you that, that launched the greatest online meetings in the history of the world. And the text here is in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is written, these words of the Lord are spoken at a time of Israel's golden age. It's arguably some of its most powerful, prosperous, successful moments. God's chosen Solomon, King Solomon, the wealthiest, brightest, most gifted king it is said in world history, he had everything, the favor of God. But the Lord was warning his people because God who knows all, foreknows all, and predestines all makes a statement. He knows his people will stray in the days to come. And so we read the word of the Lord. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people, conditional word, humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn, the Lord says he will heal the land and we are there today. We are there today. And so I'm going to read to you Prophet Jim LaFoon's latest prophetic word, and I've known Jim for a very long time. And for those of you who are not aware of who he is, let me just paint a background. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, there are five ministry offices, not just a pastor. We call everybody pastor because it's the common colloquial term. But biblically, there's an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Even on my staff, we have all five of those gifts. But so that people don't get weird and people don't get really nasty about things. We just, in America, call everybody a pastor. So we call Pastor Jim, Jim. 
But Pastor Jim is actually a prophet. He, hold the, he holds the fivefold office of a prophet. Prophets have an ability to see into people's hearts and lives and predict the future as the Lord will reveal it to them. Jim LaFoon, and I've been around the best in my 67 years, is the best of the best by far. Okay? You see people on the internet. You see people doing conferences. You see people writing books. Jim is, to me, he's better than all of them. And the way you can tell a prophet is a prophet generally what he predicts comes to pass. And Jim's got a whole litany of that. You won't find him having his own website. You won't find him speaking in conferences. He intentionally stays under the radar to be true to his call as a trustworthy prophet where prime ministers, presidents, government leaders, business leaders, sports teams can bring him in and you would be amazed. You would be amazed at who enlists his services because he's so humble. Former military guy who fought and defended our country, top level, former parachute warrior. And Jim has been recruited in the, re in the recent presidential issues. When Hurricane Katrina hit, Governor Blanco called Jim in to give a sense of guidance. Jim was just heavily a, a part of trying to help navigate what's happened in the Hillsongs movement. And uh, those of you that know Hillsongs, you know what happened. So, and Jim LaFoon is different. He's the best of the best. And when he's with people, he's able to read what's going on in their lives so that they know what he's about to prophesy comes from a prophet. Because a lot of people, they just say things based on natural knowledge because of what's happening in the world. And they say, this is going to happen, this is going to, and it's very spiritual. But there's no substance because they haven't really demonstrated being able to read supernaturally what's already happening in secret. And as long as I've known Jim, he'll pick things out of my life nobody knows, not even my wife. He'll look into, as he prophesies over our leaders, and just the, the belief comes is that when he reveals truth in their lives that nobody else knew or just a very small circle knew, and they're amazed. And then he begins to prophesy. With that context, allow me to read to you portions of the latest prophetic word that we as North American leadership team leaders prayed over for a very long time in our recent conference in Orlando, Florida about four weeks ago. On June 9th, 2022, the Lord gave me a powerful vision about the United States of America. He continued to speak to me over the next 48 hours and then I saw Jesus. He was walking across America and his tears were falling on the parched ground. The landscape looked like a spiritual version of the 1930s Dust Bowl. I just cut it through that and it's not on the screen. I could not see his face clearly, but as I drew closer, the Holy Spirit focused my vision on his feet. They were covered with a thick coating of dust. Jesus began to speak to me and this was the essence of what he said. We, referring to he and the Father, chose to use America to reach the world. We have sent revival after revival to your shores. No army or people could ever have destroyed America. Only Americans could destroy America, and that is what has happened. With these words ringing in my ears, Jesus stopped and looked up into heaven. He began to pray, please, Father, one more time, one more time, one more time. And then I realized he was asking his father to send another revival from heaven. His petition seemed to go on endlessly, and yet he never lost his passion. Finally, the father spoke from heaven. Okay, one last 
time. I looked at the scene before me and the Holy Spirit focused my eyes on Jesus' dusty feet. As I pondered this vision, I realized we were in danger of the Godhead, that's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, shaking off the dust of our nation because of America's ongoing rejection of the gospel. I asked Jesus, when will this revival begin? And he said, the first drops are already falling. The first drops are already falling. Then Jesus spoke to me again and said, tell my church to create cisterns or spiritual water storage systems to trap the first drops of revival rain. These words left me with an unusual sense of urgency. I realized we had to create fresh space in our churches for the Holy Spirit to move and touch lives. The Holy Spirit impressed upon me that these first drops, our people would not have, without these first drops, our people would not have the spiritual strength they needed in order to press in for the fullness of the outpouring which would soon come soon. As this vision was coming to an end, the Holy Spirit spoke these words to me repeatedly. It's not business as usual. It's not business as usual. We have entered an epoch of a new time frame that could define the very last chance America has to take her place as the nation God chose from the founding of the nation in the 1700s to propagate the gospel. Throughout history, if you study Bible history and world history, God has chosen different periods of time to put his hand sovereignly on different countries to represent his glory. But when that nation did not respond, God took his hand off of that nation and went on to somebody else. What happened to that nation, you don't want to be happy about. Because the only way God takes his hand off of people is through disobedience and self-pleasure-seeking. America is in a place of tension right now where we must come to attention to what the Lord is saying to us. So we're at an inflection point. And I was, as I was talking to Prophet Jim, he said, it's like this in the vision. An inflection point is you can go normal. This is where we are. You'll either go this way or you'll go this way. And here is the inflection point. And right now, we're at a place where it could get better or it could get worse. The Father has ordained in heaven that there would be one last revival. How long it lasts, how long it lasts will be determined by how devoted we live in this country with the heritage we've been given. The first signs of revival are already starting. In my estimation, one of the big drops was the reversal of Roe versus Wade. The banning of abortion. That was a massive miracle because I was a freshman in college when the reversal of that reversal occurred. That was God saying, I am beginning to move. And there'll be a second one coming up. I'll, I'll just clarify that to you as we go forward. So here's four things I want to leave us with as we start this series entitled Discerning the Times. God is sovereign and is awakening his people. That's what's happening right now. If we look at verse 13 of this text, when, not if, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. In that phraseology, if things would turn bad, God was saying, he was warning that he would allow crisis to serve as an alarm clock. So when we look at COVID-19, that did not come from God, but God will use it to redeem an awakening among his people. 
The message is first to the church. That's why throughout Unite 714, that prayer meeting, we all prayed through Zoom. Millions of people throughout the world came together. The progenitor of that entire movement, which technology experts have said is the largest meetings in the history of technology, period, of any people coming on, logging on on one program, the architect of that was Jim LaFoon. And Prophet Jim saw the scourge coming from China before it actually hit. I was, I, was, I was very cognizant and in the space when he began to prophesy things. And sometimes when prophets prophesy, I, I mean with Jim, right? I tell myself, what has he been smoking? Because it is just so far off. He began to see this plague coming upon us towards the end of 2018. Except nobody could make, make sense of that fog that was beginning to enshroud the earth. We now know what it is. So it's, it's no accident that God would give Jim the antidote of a massive, massive prayer meeting that has given us the freedoms that we have emerged with today. So God is sovereign. He's awakening his people so that we would arise before it's too late because everybody's going into revenge living now. They're trying to get what they missed for two years. And I've said before, my concern is they're leaving Jesus behind. They're leaving God out of the picture. It's kind of going through the motions. You're there, but you're not there. Complacency has replaced urgency. And the fervency of a healthy fear that God used and to fuel a focus on Him during the pandemic has waned into kind of business as usual. And we're not living at business as usual right now. God is saying, ratchet up. The game has changed. And you never want to live in the last season when the next season has begun. Here's the second thing. God is our source and he is calling for lives filled with prayer and repentance. Verse 14 of our opening text. If, conditional word, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You know, the word wicked is not only just murder and violence. Wicked is, I don't need God. I just kind of want to call on him for my needs when I'm in a crisis. God has called us to serve Him every minute of the day, to live lives that honor Him, that express the gospel, that, that shines His light. So history's pattern is over time, when God blesses, the blessings replace the blesser. Throughout Scripture, you will see the cycles and evolutions of history. God blesses a people, then they forget about Him. Or they kind of go through the motions and live for themselves while using him as the man upstairs to enhance their personal portfolios. That's a consumeristic God. That's a self-serving theology which God despises. He's calling us to serve him as it was always intended with a sacrifice and a devotion that's strong. What we, what we have here is when cycles repeat, a country is blessed, they enjoy the, the blessings of God because God's hand is on them. And then they begin to lose their fervor. They begin to slide gradually going through the motions. And then deceit, corruption, immorality, greed, and control begins to take over. That's the history of, of, of empires. It's the history of institutions. It's the history of governments. So what we've gone through recently is nothing new. It's just this generation's version of it. 
Okay, now, should the cycle repeat, God prescribes humble prayer and a repentant reversal of direction. He gives the prescription. Because God knew in the commissioning of Solomon, he says, in the future, people are going to stray. And when they do, pray, humble yourself, confess, and turn. Because God is a merciful God. Now, the Apostle Paul lived in a day of the tyrannical Roman Empire. And he laid out the script in his day for today. Because the Romans were in power for a thousand years. I mean, you talk about, you talk about nasty. These guys fed Christians to the lions. You talk nasty. These guys were powerful. They absorbed the best of the Greek culture. They were mentally astute, physically dominant. They were organized. They were, they were the civilization of all civilizations, arguably the strongest ever in world history. A thousand-year reign. This is what God the Father dropped Jesus into. We think we've had it bad recently. It's nothing compared to what the early church went through. Paul lived through it. It cost him his life. And he said, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Watch the script. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Let's break this text down. This is the, this is the answer. Now, what is he saying? Remember, he lived in a time of tyranny far beyond ours. He said, our quality of life is directly tied to our prayers for leaders. Only God can change a person. Proverbs says, the heart of kings is like rivers uh, in the hands of our God, and he can turn them in any way he desires, but the condition is that we pray. And as we pray, God moves, but to the end of bringing people to Christ, not just forging the legislations we like or policies we like that make us successful. Our focus is to be on the honor of our God who sent his son. God's end is that people come to him. The ultimate transformation. So I've talked about this before. Let me revisit this again. 1980 and 1988, we were here. It's like I've lived through that. And I'm thinking, boom, I'm back. We're back. I'm, we're back. We have gone through an evolutionary cycle. Of 40 years is a biblical generational cycle. Okay? And now we're back. Superinflation, corruption, deceit. Everything's back. Pandemic. We had it back then. We just had, didn't have social media to blow it up. It were assassinations. Nixon was impeached. It was chaos. Riots on the campus. Racism. Nothing new. Those of us who were old enough know we just didn't have social media to just explode it and drive fear into everybody. And now we're back. And what did the church do? She rose up. Wake up. Wake up. The church rose up and prayed. 1.75 million people went to Washington, D.C. as the country rallied into frigid weather and to pray. 1.75 million people did 2 Chronicles 7.14. I was there for the 1988 event. You put a Hawaii boy from Kalihi who's skinny, praying in 32 degrees all day, every day for five days. I turn into an icicle. <laughs> I said, man, what's very happy about this? I'm freezing. 
And the thought came to me, that is the condition of the country and my church. And you are here because you are to pray. Within three years, the world changed. But prior to that, God put his hand on a man named Ronald Reagan, a B-movie actor, and put him into the office of president. Ronald Reagan was a strong Christian. He was raised by his aunt, I believe. And he was set on one agenda when he began his, his, his run to fix the economy, because that's what gets people reelected. Then he got shot. The enemy tried to take him out. He recovered. And when he recovered, he said, no, the mission is to end the Cold War and open up those countries, and might add to this, to the gospel. Ronald Reagan, through eight years, his legacy was the dismantling of the Cold War, the dissolution of the Soviet Union, and the decimation of Russia. Who's raising up her head again? And churches and missionary agencies went through Soviet bloc countries that we were in nuclear tension with for decades because the church rose. The Soviet Union collapsed and Christians invaded those bloc countries, which explains why we have seven every nation churches right there. We have seven churches in the Ukraine. The doors, why did that happen? Because the church rose up and took her part. Because we had strayed. We had strayed morally. We had strayed into complacency. We heard the prophetic word and rallied. Not only in our churches, we went to D.C. Got on our face. Got on our knees. Sometimes fasting. And God heard. We are there again. It is not business as usual. We need to discern these times. We need to respond and not relax. Are you listening? Now, let me just interject. This is my last official sermon as the senior pastor of this church after nearly 28 years. And I would figure that God would have me preach this sermon in the context of this prophetic word to leave with you as a gift and an irritation. I'll still be around, except I'll be beneath the leadership of Pastor Billy Lyle, who on the 21st is commissioned to be the senior pastor, lead pastor of this main campus. Pastor Paris will be put in as the oversight pastor overseeing all the congregations, I'll still be a part. I'll be part of the team, but not in charge of the team. So I'll do what they tell me to do, just like they had to do what I told them to do. But officially, this is my last sermon as the senior pastor, as the head coach, as the Pope of Pearlside. So you could say, I was there. I was, there. I was there when he let the hammer down on us. Okay. This Tuesday, we're opening this hall for prayer because the elections are coming up next Saturday. It could be that who's elected next Saturday will become the next governor for the next eight years. It could be. But the general election, obviously, is later. 
But our responsibility is to vote. And eight years ago, when Ronald Reagan was put into office at a very terrible time, you know why that happened? Christians voted. They prayed. It mattered. Now, I, know I, can, I can feel the Democrats here going, hey, you know what? The guy was a Republican. Bra, get off the politics. No. You need to adjust your purview and see everything through the lens of Scripture. The man was a man of faith with conservative views. And when we vote face and popularity, we get in trouble. Look at what they stand for. Look at what they believe. Look at their life. Do the work and vote prayerfully, biblically, and responsibly. Slap your neighbor and say, wake up, he's talking to you. <laughs> okay, so thirdly, God is merciful. And this is, what, this is what the prophetic word is saying. God wants to heal our country. That's his heart. Verse 14, then if we do these things, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So what will God do? Let's look at that line. God will, number one, hear, he'll forgive and heal, producing the soil for revival. And the healing of the land is tied to our fulfilling of the if. If we respond, he will revive. In other words, and we'll bring it down, we'll close with this. God works through his people, and he wants us now to act, to act, to act. The Apostle Paul, who lived under the tyranny of the Roman Empire, who literally gave his life because he was beheaded in his 90s for standing for the gospel when they told him to shut the heaven up. Paul said, no, I made up this. You know, let me just pause right here. We got a lot of movements happening in the world today about give me my rights. I get it. I'm one of those guys. Hey, don't take, don't, don't unbiblically and unconstitutionally take my rights from me. But the Lord reminded me in the middle of the pandemic, you know, son, as you live for me, you may have to give up your life. So if you get real upset about your rights, just understand that you're going to have to stand and be willing to give up your life. And there's no greater right than the right to life. But I gave my son to give up his life. And one day, he might, I might ask you to give yours up. And by the way, he might ask you to give yours up. You know why? Because we have the same Bible. So, lest we get caught up on the rights level, let's look at the life level. The gospel level. Now, Paul had this in mind. And so... Paul, I believe, always wanted to be a warrior, soldier, athlete, but he was bow-legged, portly, a little paunchy. He was bald. He was short. He was a little cross-eyed, and his eyebrows met in the middle, and he was nothing to look at. The guy wouldn't have played for Kalani. Let's put it. Sorry. That was a little low. Sorry you're watching online. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kalani Pop Warner. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> See, I, I want to get through one sermon without saying something I regret. <laughs> Not possible. Not po For my last sermon as senior pastor, you know I have to feel the, the pattern of everything. So having said that, he was, Paul, in some of his writings, he would look at the athletes or the soldiers. And here's one. He's thinking, he looked at the Roman soldier and he went, that's the, that's the paragon of might. But he... He said, how can we look at this spiritually? And I believe with that thought and context, he says, 
Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. So when he, when he writes this, when he pens this, he has the vision of the fully garbed Roman soldier, the visual example of might and power to the ultimate. He was the ultimate MMA guy. Okay? In this pandemic, at the height of it, Pastor Cheon, pastor of Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministries, stood up against the governmental overreach of liberal Governor Gavin Newsom in California. Pastor Billy and I were with Cheon with about 18 other pastors about a few months ago. We got to ask him questions, hear him up close, a humble guy. He's brilliant, intellectual. The guy's, I mean, and yet he, he speaks at a sixth grade level, which for us, guys from Kalihi, I like that. People who live, who talk simply and show pictures. That's very important, okay? How many of you love books with pictures? Yeah, I don't like books with just words, just saying, okay? And Cheon is my kind of guy. And he said, one day, as he said, I'm looking around, driving through California, seeing strip clubs open, nightclubs still open, among other places, and churches had to close. And an attorney, his attorney said, let's fight. He says, that's wrong, and let's fight together. Well, the church rose up. The government pushed back. They said, we're going to put you in jail, we're going to sue you, and we're going to sue every member of your church that shows up $1,000 each Sunday. People left this church, he said. He said, people left my church, but we had to stand. Now it gets real, right? Now it gets real. So they fought. Based on the First Amendment, the right to gather freedom of speech, And it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the church won. That's what Paul's talking about. That's when, baby, it gets real. It's not, it takes no courage to talk about evil behind people's backs in your private dinner times or emailing each other. There's times you have to talk to God, and you have to talk to them, and you have to fight. They won. Therefore, should this pandemic or another pandemic happen or something happen, churches cannot be shut down. They've been declared essential forever. That's what happens when you stand. It takes a man to stand. But you know what? He said, he said man, I had friends leave because they said, no, let's just be good citizens. What are you doing? Let's just comply. Let's just sell out. Because they stood, we will have freedoms moving forward. Some place where you live in your life, God is going to call you to stand. And in the name of Jesus, through prayer and the Word of God, He'll call you to stand. And know God is watching, because this is our last chance. Baby is fourth down and goal to go. And we're that close. 
I don't know about you, but I got Tony blocking for me. And I'm going to leap over the pile. Because that's what small guys do. It's our moment, church. Church at home. God is merciful. Football. You know during football season. Congratulations, Coach Rod York, 28-7 to over St. Louis. My condolences, and I grieve greatly for the St. Louis Crusaders that are in the house. It's hard, this church. We got coaches. We got players from, like, plenty schools. So I just love them all. But how many of us know we got to give love to some people? St. Louis has won a 1,000 championships. And I'm a public school product. I just love when the poor people win every now and then. <laughs> Isn't Mililani have maroon in there? Is that right? Gold, I got that. Isn't it maroon and gold? Is it black and gold? I can't understand a word you guys are saying. Brown. What kind of color is that? Just take it up or not and tint it, rebrand it. I say maroon and gold. That would be awesome. Joseph Kennedy, let's put his picture on screen. Look at that guy. Well, in Bremerton, Washington, as an assistant coach, he would be like a de facto chaplain, teach Bible studies, pray with the kids. The kids loved him. You know, every football team has some kind of chapel or chaplain, faith thing. Tony and I had a chance. To cha I mean, we've been chaplain for Coach McMacken, Coach Jones. What a privilege. Some of the greatest years. And then I was with Coach Graham in that controversial thing as a coach's chaplain, walking them through some stuff for a couple years during COVID. It was not easy to coach. I told Timmy, my time is up, you know, but if you ever need an older guy to process some pressure, I'll always be there for you. Got to influence him a little bit, but, you know, seasons change, don't they? So this story really, really caught my attention because the state came after him, fired him. Even after... He stopped teaching the Bible studies and praying with him. He says, but I have to take a stand. So I'm going to go up in the middle of the field. I'll kneel and pray to God myself for the school, for the kids, for the program, because these are just kids. And they went, that's still wrong. They fired him. And then he said, that's wrong. I'm going to stand and fight this. And he got a team around him, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court. How's that? the highest court. You know, you know how hard it is to get a case to the Supreme Court? And he won. He won. Because he fought. Because he stood. We are entering into that season. Find courage. Find faith in your God through prayer and his word, and fight! Yeah. Choose faith over fear. I've told you about Senator Breen Harimoto and uh, 
my relationship with him, leading him to the Lord, discipling him over the years. My, one of my greatest honors as a pastor is for him to call me his pastor. Because I was with him just about when he was born again and, and when he passed. And the pain he went through, the suffering. And I remember when he stood up against physician-assisted death, as he declared only God has the right, only God gives life, only God takes life. And he had cancer, pancreas cancer. He knew it was, fate, fate, uh, he knew it was fatal, he knew it was terminal. And in the face of his pain and taking chemo, and struggling to stay alive as long as he could, holding faith that God can do anything and heal. His compelling testimony caused the legislature to back down and approve that bill on the first go-round. On the second go-round, everybody voted for it. Biscuit seemed merciful, but because he has a biblical stand, because he understood Scripture, Brian Harimoto came to the front, cast his vote, and the television stations captured it. And he said, I respectfully vote no. And then he opened his Bible and began to read Scripture. I know the plans God has for you. And he went on and on. I stood there and I went, God Almighty, that's a champion. That's such a champion. You know about that. But here's one that you may not know about. He was also chair of the Board of Education when he started his career in public service. He was appointed. And it was really contentious, and his heart was breaking, because Breen, one of the, the reasons Breen loved our church is we, we, we value the next generation and the next generation. He was all about kids. And um, the Board of Education was fighting. He's real nasty. He says, hey, Norman, we got to get together. I just need to talk to somebody. And he said, he was saying, it was just very contentious. Emotions were high. People were yelling at each other. This is Board of Education, okay? And uh, I just don't know what to do. We're not getting any place. The meetings are long. I said, Breen, only God can change the heart. I, I said, God holds the hearts of men and women like rivers, you know, in his hand. And he can turn them wherever he, they, he, he, he wants. But we have to pray. Two weeks later, he calls me. He says, hey, let's have coffee. So we get together. He's smiling. I thought, well, that's a good sign. Now, what happened? He said, it worked. I said, what worked? He said, we prayed. This guy says, that's good. In my mind, I'm thinking he's praying at home. You know, he got together with a small group. By the way, Breen never missed small group. He said, that was the secret. <laughs> he says, no, no, no. We prayed in the meeting. I thought, how did you get them to pray? He says, they didn't pray. I prayed. <laughs> I said, how, how, how did that happen? He says, well, they were fighting, and I just folded my hands and closed my eyes and bowed my head. I said, only God can turn, change the hearts of men. So I just prayed that he would do that. And he got real quiet. And all of a sudden, somebody said, hey, Chairman Harimoto, how dare you fall asleep in the middle of this meeting? Disrespectful. Sabrina said, I just looked up at them and smiled. I said, I wasn't sleeping. I was praying for all of us that we would get along, listen to each other, be civil, and come to make decisions for the kids. And he said, an amazing thing happened. They stopped fighting. And the meeting got really productive. They started listening to each other. He got so excited. He said the next week he brought copies of the Purpose Driven Life with him. And he gave it to all of them. I was like, 
You my man, yes. I thought the Lord laughed. They thought he was sleeping when he was praying. You know what God's telling us right now? Quit sleeping and start praying. And it, it's as simple as that. Let me, let, me, let me give you four practical steps. I, I just say, I'm, I'm just going to read them. I wrote them down. What's some action points? Don't just talk about what's happening that is wrong. Talk to God to fix what's wrong. And when necessary, talk to them. I brought Jim LaFoon in for 11 years to prophesy, pray, and we preach the gospel to almost every government leader who will have us. So the seed is there. And sometimes it was hard. They never like us. About every quarter, I'm invited to teach a Bible study to willing legislators. I go, and sometimes in the room, you got both sides of the aisle coming in, and I go, God's just, pre he's preparing a stage, and I'm just going to teach the Bible. And what they do with it is their choice. What is God calling you to do? Only you will determine that as you seek Him in this hour, where it's not business as usual. In whatever gate of society that you're in. So don't just talk about it. Talk to God about it, to fix what's wrong. Here's one. Be in church and be the church. I find small groups is my gymnasium that centers me. When God put it in my heart to plant this church, He says, build it based on small groups, not the big service. And so that's why we're so anal. We're so just like, hemorrhoidally persistent. If some of you are going, not with the small groups already. We get the message. No, we're going to keep saying it till you get in there every week. I have some people say, I'm in a small group, Pastor Norman. How often are you go? And it gets quiet. It's like saying, I joined the gym and I go once a year. Right? It's time to be in there every week. There's something about the miracles that happen all happen in group. Because when God designed our spiritual family, He said, build it on the small, not on the big. So, I would just want to say there, be in service, be in church, be the church, small group services, serving devotional life and prayer. Keep your walk in the Word and prayer strong. Because if you do, like Breen, you'll do the right thing when the war is on. Okay, now, let me just talk to you at home. I love you. I love you, but it's time to come in person. It's, please hear me. Now, some of you, don't leave. Don't go to the bathroom. Don't get your scrambled eggs or another cup of coffee right now. Stay right where you are. The season has changed. And it, through the history of Christianity, during pandemics and plagues and persecution, they fought to do two things, get into small groups and come to worship in the, because it creates the manifest presence of God where you can feel. There's things that happen. I call you in the name of Jesus in my last sermon as a senior pastor to come out from behind the convenience of a screen and into the sacrifice of a service in person. Now listen, I know that some of you, you're taking care of kupuna. I know some of you, you have legitimate reasons, especially if you're listening from Africa. But if you're on Oahu and you live here, it's time to exercise the faith that you need that will create the courage that you possess for the battles we have tomorrow. And if you don't have the courage to be here in person because you're afraid of the coronavirus, you won't build 
the courage you'll need to fight the battles for tomorrow. Can you receive that? Okay, I say that. Ah, some of you are going, I'm glad he's not going to be the senior pastor no more because I don't like what I hear. Okay, but I'm just saying, as a gift to me and to the Father in heaven, it's time. It is time, and God will honor you. You cannot catch anything in this building with our filtration system except Jesus. It's time to shift because it's not business as usual. It's time for revival. Father, we're so grateful. Grateful for those at home, yes, though they may not like me right now. Grateful for those that are here, of course. We want to be the people that you're so proud of, the church that you so created in a time so essential. Pour out your spirit, Lord, that we might experience a long-lasting revival and awakening that will change the world and give us the grace to be the bride you've loved us to be. Thank you for the privilege as senior pastor of being able to preach and teach for nearly 28 years at the helm. Thank you for the gift of wonderful people here in person and at home because they are the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship. Amen. Can we stand? How many of you appreciated that, that word from the Lord? Why don't we worship, and then we're going to close out with announcements, but let's spend some time in the presence of God and give Him the glory that He deserves. In a fresh act of surrender, God, that you would take us and use us for your will and for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, there's two things. Um, I believe.